Saucy, the cleric in our campaign, played by Will, is such an asshole about the material components needed for Revivify. <laughs> it's 300 gold. <laughs> I'm not even charging you for labor here. You're walking into the Michelin and be like, I need my brakes changed. Like, well, those brakes, the pads, the calipers, that's going to be about 1500 bucks. I'll do it for no money, but you do have to pay for the calipers and the brakes. I can't get those for free. It's like, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. You- what do you mean you can't just give me shit for free? <laughs> so, I'm literally burning diamond dust to keep all y'all alive. <laughs> diamond dust that we earn together. Yeah, and when it, we do it together, it's fine. But when you're like, oh, this NPC that I'm slightly close to fucking <laughs> just got nuked to death by a revenant or something. I don't know her. <laughs> I don't even like her. Welcome to Monsters and Multiclass, your weekly Dungeons and Dragons fix. I'm Kevin Odie. I'm Jared Bornigal. And I'm Will Melvin. And we'll be hanging out with you for the next hours to talk about anything and everything D&D related. This week we're taking a look at the Barbarian Warlock Multiclass, and then later on the Belhana from Mordekane's Home of Foes. So pull up a chair and listen up. You know, you always start every one of these with pull up a chair. But, like, what if somebody's working out while doing this or, like, running or just doing... Metaphorically. It's, metaphorically it's supposed to be, like, comforting. Chair. It's like, we're hanging out talking, so pull up a chair of us and hang out for a while. Mm. It's creating the symbolic yes. realization of uh, D&D because nobody plays D&D at a standing desk. I'd play D&D at a standing desk. I wouldn't. No. I'm taking that no, back no, immediately. No, players would be okay with that. All right. So, today our multi-classes are... Our multi-class is the Barbarian Warlock, which... Do we have a dumb name for that? Barbalock. Barbalock. All right. Barbalock. So this week we're looking at the Barbalock. Uh, the Barbarian is a melee-focused class uh, whose main class feature is its rage ability, uh, where it can get really angry and hit stuff even harder and take some more hits. Uh, then we have the Warlock. Uh, the Warlock sells its soul uh, in some way or another, uh, or is touched in the head. Uh, <laughs> You always roll your eyes so much. It's uh it's brain is is broken by some overpowering external being uh it that siphons gives it, power from some other powerful worldly entity that is not a god. That's such a boring answer. So it's touched in the head by a donkey <laughs> just kicked right in the head uh, and then they wake up with a bunch of magical powers. Uh so barbarian we've got a 13 strength requirement and the warlock is a 13 charisma requirement. Warlocks are the only full casters in the game <laughs> according to Will Meldon. Only uh, full casters. Only full casters, <laughs> but in reality they have the most interesting spell casting in the game. Uh where instead of having a bunch of spell slots to choose from, they have one level of spell slots and a very limited use of them at their most powerful level. So uh, pretty differing classes right out the gate, but let's hear some first thoughts from Kevin. I think this could kind of fit into a similar vein as the uh, Barbarian Ard, the Barbarian Bard from two weeks ago. Right. It's, uh, I mean, you're dealing with a spellcaster with a Barbarian, It's, but I think there's ways to do it. You can get a lot of versatility. The Warlock, it's, since they're not just dumped on with spell slots, it's kind of limited on right. how often they'll do that, ignoring cantrips. So then hit, being able to rage and hit things hard and all that, I think, could be beneficial. So there's ways to do it. The um, the possibly obvious that a lot of people might think about it going Hexblade, yep. I think, is actually not that great in this case, though. And Interesting. We'll dive into that. Yeah, though. okay. I'd, I'd like to hear more about that. Uh, Will, our resident warlock warlord. Uh <laughs> More like that. Just trying to keep up with the alliteration. It didn't work well. <laughs> I yeah, it's really, really, really obvious to just go for the hexblade thing. But I think Kevin's probably at least slightly right on this one. Uh, what I will say though is the blast lock is probably your worst uh, combo here, and that's one of the better warlock wing blast lock being yeah, eldritch blast, eldritch blast all the way. You right. got all your invocations based off that. You can build an entire warlock that almost only casts uh, eldritch blast, and you're going to be great yeah. damage wise and and everything else. You can right. move them. You can do anything with them. The damage is insane. It's a great, great cantrip. But as a barbalock, you are now adding a class feature that 
stops you from doing that. Yeah, and I think that's uh, my favorite thing about Warlocks is their Eldritch Invocations. It's what really sets them apart from any other caster beyond their weird spell casting is the fact that you can really sculpt your character in a lot of different ways. And I think what can be nice about this, and we'll obviously dive into it more, uh, is the fact that if you do avoid that trap of only using Eldritch Blast and being an Eldritch Blast faucet, uh, you can use those Eldritch Invocations for a lot of other interesting things. You you kind of free up your uh, your ability to create some utility out of those. Because uh, they have some great ones. Even just uh, Devil Sight, I think one is called, where you can see in darkness. Right. Uh, which we've mentioned plenty of times is something that is generally used with the Hexblade uh, in order to see in darkness. I think the UA uh, originally uh, focused around that idea. No, of, no, that was actually pre-UA. This oh. is before they created the real Hexblade. It was a fighter warlock monthly class based off of that concept. It was, it was creating like, darkness yeah, they would in cast an area. Darkness, and then be through that Eldritch invocation, be able to see in it. So they get advantage and everything, and everyone else gets disadvantage. And this was this was a this was basically a form creation, like the D and D forums. Oh, okay. Created this. Okay. So this was pre Hexblade. Okay. Well, I still think that um, with pact of the blade you're probably going to be able to get a lot uh, out of this type of multi-class and and, any any martial class that takes pact of the blade uh can usually get something out of the uh the wizards not the wizards (laughs) what class are we doing the warlocks oddities i yeah i think this is the that's one of the first steps you take on the warlock class is what pact do you go pact of the tome pact of the chain or pact of the blade right chain is cool yeah Uh, that's where you're Familiar. Beefed, beefed up familiar. Uh, demonic origin or fey origin or whatever. Uh, Pact of the Tome makes your warlock a better spellcaster. Right, which I think in this case, probably... Probably a really bad idea. Exactly. Pact of the Blade was always kind of a redheaded stepchild of this class because you weren't a melee character. Right. So in this situation and in any martial class, I would say that's probably a easy decision to create your magical weapon that you can summon out of nowhere. And you can change it. You can do whatever you want with it. And it is a free choice. This is not the Hexblade subclass. This is something you have to decide out the gate, essentially, uh, at third level. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Pact of the Blade, though, it's... You're not getting a whole bunch with it. So if you're a pure warlock, it gets you proficiency and your back weapon and all that. And you can attune to it and summon it and stuff like that. If you're a barbarian, you're already going to be... Get that proficiency. So really, it just gets you a weapon that you could summon to you i think the summoning is, i i don't know i think that's really cool but you're right it doesn't really show up a lot that being said there are eldritch invocations there if you have packed the blade you could take exactly which help um but they're come at pretty late level like life drinker it's a 12th level feature when you hit a creature of your pack weapon the creature takes extra necrotic damage equal to your charisma modifier that's not until 12th level that's a pretty big commitment for a multi-class yeah, um, the uh, there's a couple other ones. You can take one at earlier that gets you an extra attack. Yeah, I saw that. That's but not it, something it's we're at chasing level five. as a multi-class. Right, so you, get a, you could do that at level 5, which you're going to get as a level 5 barbarian. I will say this, Anyways. though. Um, uh, that is a nice thing to have in this situation because you can just not take the extra attack in this class, which is kind of a rarity right. for a melee additional class. Bards, they all, it was like mandatory. You got it at sixth level. This one, you can save it for one of the other really cool invocations. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then in Xanathar's, there's the improved pack weapon or something like that. Um, so it, it opens up what weapons can be used for it. and But it makes it a plus one. So that's nice, I guess. Yeah. there Even in our campaign, we're like, uh, what, we're eighth level? Eighth level? Yeah. Not all of us have plus one, that's for sure. No. So that's a nice free plus one magic if you need it to be. And you can actually swap these out uh, on levels when you need to. So if you do get a plus one, you can flip it out for another thing. Right. There is no end to the utility of all of these crazy, crazy invocations. Right. Yeah, so I'm the Hexblade Warlock. So this is the the melee-centered warlock um, where if you... I, yeah, you get proficiency with swords and weapons and stuff, and you get attacked and do well in melee. And so a lot of people, if they are multi-classing into Warlock with a martial class, will go Hexblade. Uh, Paladin to Hexblade is a real common one for me- mechanic. We haven't talked got to there yet. Mechanically, it's 
a really, really good one. Uh, with the Barbarian, I feel like you don't get a lot. The, the big thing about it is Hex Warrior, where you could essentially replace using Strength or Dex for your Charisma modifier. But if you're already a Barbarian, it's not necessary. And it actually is detrimental because the, all your Rage stuff is based on using Strength for your attack. So you lose that. Right. And then uh, you do get Hexblade's Curse, which, is, I mean, that is nice. So you curse a target for one minute. Um, you gain a bonus to damage rolls against the cursed target. That's equal to your proficiency bonus. You crit on a 19 or 20. And if the target dies, you regain some hit points. And that's a short or long rest ability. So, I mean, that's solid. But the whole Hex Warrior thing, which is really the crux of Hexblade, is, I think, almost completely worthless as yeah, a Barbalock. It also specifically says that you can't use a weapon with a two-handed property. Right. Uh, well, which isn't always for the Hex Warrior. You can't... Uh, have that be one of your your hex weapons Kinda. or whatever. It, it, later on, at some point, it talks about if you if later on you get packed of the blade, regardless of what your packed weapon will work for this. Okay, okay. Well, that's and then all right then. Packed of the blade, could, yeah. So as long as you go, and I think it's it, it's a little tough to justify not going three levels down in warlock because the pact is pretty flavorful and useful in its own regard, right? Um, but yeah, you're right. Hex Warrior is weird because it does start at level one. Yeah. But it really only kicks in when you're level three. Why? What's that? Be, oh, the Hex the Blade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is such an obvious choice. As soon as you go Hex Blade, it's like picking anything else almost seems like you you're... shouldn't be allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> to an extent, yeah. I mean, it, it just seems extremely silly, right? Like you devote your entire, uh being to this idea of like worship not worshiping a weapon but kind of yeah you're worshiping a yeah, weapon flavor wise this has always been one of the tougher ones for me because you are worshiping you know you're not worshiping you are channeling power from a sentient weapon from shadow fell the most that's the most the, popular one yeah, the the wording is you have made your pact with a mysterious entity from the shadow fell a force that manifests in sentient magic weapons carved from the stuff of shadow so, so, most popularly, Black Razor. Black Razor will yeah. always be the most well-known example of this particular one. But the reality is, whatever force creates sentient weapons is the force that gives you this power. But the right. only thing you ever see manifest is these weapons in the general D&D realm. So you are kind of bound to a weapon. Which is, I don't know, it, it has always been a little bit weird for me. Yeah, no, and, and so I think... Because of all of that, I would almost, uh, I feel like you can do more, uh, beyond this multi-class, uh, other than Hexblade. I feel like it'd be more fun to go just any of the other Warlock, uh, patrons and yeah. just keep away from the Hexblade. It's not that it's bad. It's fine. It's just, as has been brought up, kind of too obvious at times, but also just not that great. Yeah, it's la it's it's making up for stuff you would already be decent at because you're a barbarian. Right. Um and then the other one, like the Archfey and the Fiend are solid stuff for a barbarian. Yeah. Fey presence. Well, uh, I remember reading these and I completely forgot them. <laughs> <laughs> um well I think the Oh yeah, you could uh do use a Q in a Q make a creature charmed or frightened of you. I think frightened fits real well with barbarian you're totally intimidating agree. them. Uh Misty Escape, you can Right, a little weird for a barbarian, but I turn invisible and uh, teleport. Do you stay invisible yeah. until your next attack? You remain invisible until the start of your next turn. Okay. Well. So, yeah, it's kind of an escape thing. And so that's obviously more warlock than barbarian, but, you know, it comes from. I can see that being useful if you are trying to get to more the the big bad while some, like, tiny little minion is keeping you hold up. And you're like, okay, everybody else can deal with that. I'm going to go get up in the shit yeah and, that's an interesting re-imagination of misty escape as misty launched me towards the guy I actually yeah <laughs> yeah um but it could be pretty cool and I, I like the fact that archfey uh which is for whatever reason for us normally like a uh redheaded stepchild uh where i feel like we don't talk about archfey that much but i think flavor wise it mixes really well with a lot of the barbarian stuff specifically right. uh totem warrior uh, mm -hmm. just because we're kind of mixing nature into all of this. Yeah. Yeah. With well, Faye, I mean, it, the Faye kind of has this sort of nature-y bent to it. Yeah. Where it pixies and, yeah. uh, so, red caps and hags and, oh, I'm just going through Faye creatures right now. Elves. Yeah. Elves. Hey, yeah. elves. There yeah. we go. 
And then barbarians usually also have that natural kind of nature bent to them as well. Right. So it, this feels like it's it's taking that to an extreme, the super mystical side of it, which is perfect for barbarian who was unlocking some warlock powers by making a pact with a powerful fake creature. Right. I think that's that's not a stretch at all. I think that works very well. I think part of the biggest uh, reason we do have that feeling about the Archfey is it really is grossly outclassed by Fiend. Uh, for what yeah, reasons exactly? I agree, really, but there is not every single thing on the fiend list is universally accepted as great. There's nothing bad here. Dark One's blessing, friggin' phenomenal. When you reduce opinion. a hostile creature to zero HP, you gain temp HP equal to your charisma modifier plus your warlock level. That's awesome, especially for a barbarian. Dark yeah. One's own luck, being able to reroll ability checks and saving throws with a D10 on them. You know when you fail. That's never not going to be good. When you see the initial roll, but before you know the outcome. That's still That's great. still really good, though. Yeah, I mean, that, that's great for those, like, yeah. middle-of-the-road ones where you're like, I rolled a 10. It gave me a 14 with my modifiers. Uh, I really need to pass this one. Yeah. Let's add a D10 to it. It's basically like a bardic inspiration. Yeah. But just for yourself. Yeah. <clears throat> Even that, that's a once per short or long rest, though. A little limited. It but. is, but it's still great. And yeah. the six-level uh, subclass abilities are kind of... Uh, throttled like that universally but that one's always good fiendish resilience is actually one of those ones the barbarian might not need as much because you choose a damage type to be resistant to right and then hurl through hell which is 14th level (laughs) you probably won't get this as a multi-class but you could always hilarious You transport the whatever you want to hell and when you hit them you hit them so hard that you're transported to hell 10 d10 psychic damage yeah is a reels from its horrific experience <laughs> like mechanically that one. great flavor wise un unrivaled it's yeah. just perfect. especially when you think about it so it, it's down there for a turn it's six seconds yep <laughs> the horrors it sees in six seconds where it takes 10 d10 psychic damage from it literally the fly of despair Fly of Despair? Despair. Oh, I did it again. It's a SpongeBob thing. Oh, I thought so. He pissed okay. off uh, the Flying Dutchman. Right. The Dutchman unlip, the unzipped. Fly the Fly of Despair. The Fly of Despair. And he throws him in there. There's spaghetti. Yeah. No, I remember that one. Okay. Such a good, such a good episode. Best episode of SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also think that for Barbarian subclasses, Path of the Zealot works very well with basically any warlock uh, subclass. Or- not subclass, but whatever you want to call them. Uh, just because you... Subclass, yeah. Yeah, subclass, whatever. Because <laughs> um, they have their specific... There's the the fiend, the otherworldly patrons is how they describe it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So either way, um, Path of the Zealot works really well because you are a zealot to whatever that thing is. So if it's one of the Eldritch Horrors, you are a zealot to that Eldritch Horror. If you want to go the Celestial which is one of the otter warlocks because it's like the heel lock. Um, that can work really well because you can do radiant damage um, from your divine fury as a barbarian um, and, and mix it with some, some healing stuff. Uh, Flavor-wise, I think that's really good. Mm-hmm. Once again, mechanically speaking, I think um, it just depends on how you structure the class. Yeah, which, and what you're going for. Right, right. Are you trying to... Boost your martial prowess with various abilities, like the fiend stuff and certain invocations and things like that. <laughs> or are you looking to get become more versatile? Get, this is a really good way to become more versatile as a barbarian, mm-hmm. which are kind of narrowly focused, very much so. Yeah. Uh, so if you dip into Warlock um, and take Eldritch Blast, it, so barbarians really suffer from ranged attacks. At, at best, you could usually get like a javelin because yeah. it uses your strength. But it's real limited on range and all that. So then you get Eldritch Blast. I think you can get that from one level dip, right? Correct. Yeah. And that that will scale with your character level, though. So the damage will always be keeping up. And now you have this option where if you're at range for whatever reason, which does absolutely happen, you can now Eldritch Blast it. The only issue is you cannot do that while raging. Correct. So if you're yeah. mainly Barbarian and you're just trying to dip into Warlock for those few times that you're at range, uh, you're you're probably going to be a little bit disappointed. Um, but there are still times when it's like start it of combat. On your DM. Yeah. You know, you look at a situation like this. Um, the DM can really be a dick to the barbarian and say, oh, "All right, you're raging. You can't cast your spells from your multi-class. As soon as you stop your rage to shoot him, the barbarian or the dragon or whatever lands right next to you." 
But in most situations, it's good to have Eldritch Blast. It's I don't think anybody would not benefit from having Eldritch Blast. <laughs> yeah. All senior citizens need Eldritch Blast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so a one-level dip's going to get you two cantrips, one of them Eldritch Blast, one of them whatever else you want. Um, the first thing of your otherworldly patrons so take the fiend one where you then get the temp hit points back by upon killing something and then some basic spells and it all that just that well, i think will really increase your uh, versatility no i i 100 agree there's a lot of stuff especially uh we mentioned armor of agathis uh that's a Spell you can get as a warlock, right? A really good one for a warlock. A really good one for <laughs> what? What do we call it? Barbalock, yeah. Barbalock, yeah. yeah. As long as you level up in a warlock, though. At level one, it's five temp hit yeah. HP, and then you do five exactly. damage back. That's right. Doesn't it, it? Just scales very well, yeah. like armor of Agathis. So if you're yeah. casting it at fifth level, you've got twenty five temp HP, and you're dealing twenty five damage to anything that hits you. But you right. got to get to ninth level in warlock. Ooh, okay yeah yeah so warlocks that that is the tough thing you scale linearly your entire spell list scales yeah. linearly and then it caps you cannot no you don't get over fifth yeah. level spells it caps in that regard you, you, with this with any multi-class with the warlock you are going to be losing out on your mystic arcanum which is the you can pick sixth seventh eighth and ninth level spells to just know and be able to cast once a day right and that's always been kind of like the weaker part of the Warlock, in my opinion. That's useful if you're a pure Warlock, but you can definitely dip somewhere else and not really miss them that much. Right. No, it's true. I think there's a lot you can gather from not any class, but from a lot of the classes that... I mean, high-level spells are nice, uh, but a lot of times they don't... They, they start capping out on like damage and usefulness in that regard, and start going in in different directions so eh, yeah i agree i don't think you're gonna miss out too much by going only halfway into warlock uh which can be good i mean that makes it useful for multi-classing it's probably one of the better ones to multi-class into as a spellcaster because you're not so limited or missing out on so much at higher levels where you're getting these higher spell slots and more spell slots and just more spells and all of this stuff. You're like, well, I've got my warlock stuff and I'm I'm pretty good on my warlock stuff. Let's see what else I can grab. No, it's right. pretty it's pretty well accepted that the warlock is one of the single best multi-classing casters. Just because what they get out front is great. Right. right? And I, I really do like the dark ones, uh, uh the fiend in general for this one. Uh fiend zealot style kind of thing. Because you're right, Hexblade Gives you a lot of stuff you already get as a barbarian. So dipping into a fiend style barbarian, and that makes a lot of sense. Uh, barbarian, there's absolutely zero reason that any class would be completely immune to the pull of a devil. The only right. one that really has conflicts are the paladin and the cleric. But even then, you know, the devils are not picky, and they're not. The kind of things that are going to be like, oh, well, you're already X, Y, or Z. They're going to try and get you on <laughs> right. their side and owe you, and they'll give you some powers for it. Right. Say so this, uh, a lot of times when we talk about multiclassing, it's viewed as like a positive step forward, where you want to try something new, you want to dip into something that's uh, like a different ability from a role-playing side, a different ability than you currently have, where the Warlock lends itself to uh, kind of like the Wild Magic uh, sorcerer where like things can happen on accident you can open up a book and boom your brain's filled with eldritch horrors and you start gaining these powers and maybe you don't understand them or don't really want them but you've got them now uh same thing with the the devil maybe you're you're tricked into something and yes you get these powers but once again you don't really like them they start to make you more corrupt than you want um and i don't know if a barbarian is the the uh, type to really turn away from it like a paladin would a barbarian that that invokes a lot of conflict a lot of internal conflict for them to start uh deciding which path they want to go down do they start seeking out these crazy powers and maybe doing whatever the the devil asks if that comes up or are they going to start shying away from it and 
I don't know, harnessing their rage. There's really no reason not to, <laughs> depending on their type. I'm sorry, Satan. I'm busy <laughs> focusing on my rage. I don't have time for your sinful ways. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that's, that's, again, just kind of gives you some options on how you particularly want to play that out. What do you think, Kevin? I say right. <laughs> <laughs> so much silence. Yeah. I will it's... finalize. I'll say one final important thing is I do think the Hexblade, while half the first level is completely worthless, the Hexblade's curse is really, really tempting. I man, I feel like I'm an outlier with this, but like the Hexblade curse really just gets on my nerves because I feel like it goes against what the point of warlocks warlocks are really cool because they are just as strong from the start of the day as they are at the end of the day, as long as they have a short rest in between, but the Hexblade's curse that doesn't, that comes back on a long rest. No, doesn't that's it? a short rest. Too. Oh, that's a short rest too. They actually yeah. did change that. Oh, okay. Well then never mind. But um. it's still <laughs> one, one go, right? It's one thing that you can say, okay, this is the thing I need to kill today. So I'm going to use it. And you need a, there's, there's an invocation to swap it, but it's high level. So yeah. it's kind of worth ignoring. It's pretty late in there, but expanding your, actually, I think it's just a feature. Isn't it? Uh, yeah, you know, I think you're right. They changed a bunch of shit. And we are we actually talked about that with the uh, Shadow Sorcerer. They stole, essentially, the entire class feature that used the to hound. exist. Yeah. The Hound used to be the sixth level, and they just retransplanted it on Sorcerer. Yeah, 14th level Master of Hexes. You can spread your Hexblade curse from a slain creature to another creature. Right, and that's still just in this combat. It needs to be right. within... 30 feet, unless you want to put it on one of your allies and then kill your allies so that you can spread it to an enemy, which I wouldn't recommend. Your allies get super pissed about that. I say, yeah, there's the cheesy thing. Carry on a bag of rats. Oh, that's so dumb. Put on a rat at yeah. start of combat. Yeah. Rat. But you also don't get your, your temp HP from that, which kind of sucks. I mean, at level what do you four, mean? Um, it's it, with um, Master of Hexes. Uh, when you apply the curse in this way, you don't regain hit points from the death of the previously slain creature. Sorry, not 10 oh, HP. Yes. You just gain HP back normally when you kill something that you've hexed in this way. Uh, so, I mean, that kind of sucks. It's at that point, that's a lot of HP that we're throwing away. Yeah, we're now, we're now 14 deep in the warlock. Right. At 14 point... plus your charisma modifier, which is probably about five by now. So like 19 HP that you're like, I'll just hold off. on. So that. let's say you are a 14th level hex blade. Is there the temptation to go barbarian? What do we get? Uh, we lose our spells, but that's not a huge deal. That's right, not we already talked play. about that. It's kind of fine to dip out of at that point. Right. I mean, you get rage, but to benefit from the bonus damage to that, you need to be using strength to attack. Which, Which isn't necessarily outside the warlock, but you it get, is kind of. You get reckless attack, that's which true. isn't bad. Yeah. Um, Danger Sense, which we have said before, is pretty good. Um, and then a Primal Path, which, depending on which one you go... Bear. Is, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be Bear. If it's Bear, then yeah, you're getting a whole lot out of that. Uh, totem, totem Warrior goes Bear Totem. They get resistance to all damage except for Psychic while they're raging. I mean, that's pretty I don't know. damn worthwhile. We talked about this, but every, every single one except for Bear is just not worth it. I don't know about that. I think that bear is better than the rest, but if you're... It's so much better. I couldn't I couldn't justify not You still that. get resistance to all physical damage while you're raging, regardless. This just lets you also get it for magical damage and elemental damage. I think that might be a bias. Like, once again, we are in, in, the, in the Underdark. We do take a lot of acid <laughs> damage, so... Damn you, <laughs> Jublex. Um, but I still think you can get a lot out of... Um, Path of the Zealot, as I said before, where you can do some extra damage. Um, first creature you hit on each of your turns with a weapon attack takes extra damage equal to 1d6 plus half your barbarian level. Um, I'm assuming rounded down. It doesn't say that, but I'll assume. Uh, it's either necrotic or radiant, so can really change depending on your flavor. Um, you also get, um, what is it? 
Warrior of the Gods, at third level, your soul is marked for endless battle. If a spell such as Raise the Dead has the sole effect of restoring you to life, but not undeath, the caster doesn't need material components to cast the spell on you. And I want that for one reason and one reason only, and that's because Saucy, the cleric in our campaign, played by Will, is such an asshole about the material components needed for Revivify. <laughs> it's 300 gold. <laughs> I'm not even charging you for labor here. You're walking into the Michelin and be like, like, I need my brakes changed. Like, well, those brakes, the pads, the calipers, that's going to be about 1500 bucks. I'll do it for no money, but you do have to pay for the calipers and the brakes. I can't get those for free. It's like, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean you can't just give me shit for free? <laughs> so, I'm literally burning diamond dust to keep all y'all alive. <laughs> diamond dust that we earn together. Yeah, and when it, we do it together, it's fine. But when you're like, oh, this NPC that I'm slightly close to fucking... <laughs> Just got nuked to death by a revenant or something. I don't know her. I don't even like her. Well, if she took three levels into Path of the Zealot, you could revivify oh, yeah, her without, without any thought. Um, and that, I think, is actually a, a little bit uh, understated in its usefulness. Uh, just because in a lot of cases, you you should be limiting the amount of times you can get diamond dust. You shouldn't just have that all the time. And this person... Also, it, we talked about this. It's not diamond dust. It's just diamond It's just yeah, diamond. Yeah, you're right, we just you're smash right. them up for convenience. Yeah. <laughs> That's become a flavor thing because yeah. you like to blow it up their nose. <laughs> uh, I, I actually do kind of like that flavor. It's You kind of have to play to it um, as a zealot. The implication is that you are really kind of unhinged. Yeah. So you got to just dump yourself into whatever battle. And if you're a warlock, you're unhinged as it is. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're just you're taking, oh, kind of <laughs> half on there, and you're just, like, taking the hammer and kind of smacking it until the wood breaks, and now you're just completely off. Yeah. <laughs> and this one actually this almost seems like it would uh, go with undying, but you'd be better off with an undying party member because they're more bringing people back. Yeah. This kind of stuff. They get like a spare the so dying that combination, cantrip. not great. But uh, yeah, I, I like the zealot. I like that combo. Yeah, what's, what's Zealous Presence? Tenth level, you learn to channel divine power to inspire zealotry in others. As a bonus action, you unleash a battle cry infused with divine energy. Up to ten creatures of your choice within sixty feet of you that can hear you gain advantage on attack rolls and saving throws until the start of your next turn. It's once per long rest, but that's overall, cool. yeah, that's that's good. I mean, just giving everybody uh, advantage ain't bad. It's not going to mix with Warlock particularly well, but I don't have an issue with it. I like it. And then, of course, they've got their Rage Beyond Death. At 14th level, the divine power that fuels your rage allows you to shrug off fatal blows. Basically, uh, while they're raging, they and if they hit 0 HP, they don't go unconscious. They still make their death-saving throws and suffer normal effects of taking damage while at 0 hit points, which means if they take damage, that's 2 death fails. But as long as they are healed before their rage ends, they come back with that health they it, don't die it's a it's a hilarious flavorful thing it's really good yeah it's, i like that one a lot it's probably one of the in my opinion one of the best things as that is because you can just keep raging you've got three death fails and everybody knows that you're gonna die pretty soon here but you just keep on pushing and you just wait it lets your cleric hold off on that <laughs> spell until combat ends when they're like and you just you, know, you see your buddy die and you're like oh oh you know, that rage is about to end. Let's let's get him. How many hit up. points do you have? I don't know, like negative two hundred and ninety. I'm bleeding out my eyes, man. I'm not doing great. Right. So flavorful, it's super good. Um it works really well at fifteenth level when barbarians just don't end their rage until they want to. Um because now you don't have to worry about like not making an attack. Um I mean really that <laughs> you can just go the rest of your adventuring day <laughs> at zero HP. I'll be fine. <laughs> is there any reason against that? Uh, I'm I, sure I there rage is. rage has a time limit. No, no, no. Persistent rage takes that away. That's the 15th level ability. Mm, kind of. I don't think... At 15th level, your rage is so fierce that it ends early only if you fall unconscious so or if you choose to end it. Early. Yeah, you've got it's a minute. It's still less than Oh, okay. So you're still limited to Once a minute. Once you're All a right. 20th level zealot, you're right. You could probably walk around with both your kidneys out and be fine. <laughs> Just keep but as soon as you through. go to bed, then you die. So, you know, you have to get a cleric to prepare you for bed. The Black Knight. And, uh, exactly. <laughs> Tis only a flesh wound. <laughs> like one arm pulling yourself along. 
I've uh, got this. That's uh it was one thing I loved about the the warlocks, the undying, uh is one of their uh abilities, and it's at like 14th level indestructible life they basically get second wind that fighters get at second level uh but you can regain as a bonus action 1d8 plus your warlock level plus if you put a severed body part of yours back in place uh while using this feature the part reattaches (laughs) it's like what What? use is that when has anybody ever been like you specifically lose an arm i know there are like different the reason we don't do that is because nobody can deal with it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Except, yeah, if you had an undying warlock, that'd be the flavor once they hit 14th level is, like, every major catastrophe health-wise right. takes their hand off or right. something. And they're just like, ugh, again? Gotta like, I gotta use your resources, man. <laughs> put it back on. It would have been really useful when uh, one of your characters lost a toe. I remember that. Oh, yeah, it was a little thief. Yeah, but that was just story. Story yeah, it was reasons. just a toe, yeah. <laughs> um, a long, long time ago, a barbarian that lost an arm but in the campaign it fit where he had like a prosthetic arm put on he got, right. the, uh, he got the evil dead arm immediately afterwards did he yeah i don't remember that what well, did it do no, it was uh was before my time no, this was army of darkness was the evil dead sequel where he got teleported to like medieval lands and he was missing his arm and they like blacksmithed him oh a yeah okay oh that's what you got i was picturing okay. like the cursed hand that was trying to kill no, him. no no, no, no. no. okay yeah, yeah yeah you got the medieval gauntlet that just worked exactly like your hand right so you know that was that's not a great i I will always signal against that kind of flavoring it's like oh you lose your arm and immediately it gets replaced by this blacksmith thing that could never exist i mean that's right that's fine that's it's fine it's your campaign man you do what you want it's weak flavor (laughs) it's weak flavor man it it does kind of bring up like why did you even lose the arm like why, why did that happen yeah, I mean, that's fair. See, I know there is an injury table, I think in the DMG, that like can be a thing that happens when you go down, like when you die. So it's like you lose an eye, and now you have disadvantage on perception checks that rely on sight, and like little stuff like that. Um, but we've never incorporated that. No. There's, a, there's a bunch of tables, like one of them semi-popular, and it's just like a psychopath DM's version of what should happen. It's like, oh, you got critically hit, roll on the table. Oh, 83? That person's genitals got cut off. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? Don't. Make them go down, man. I think it is kind of, uh, it's really funny, though, because I, I love just thinking about the the real-life implications of D&D, where after eight hours, you're just back to total full, everything's fine, where the other day I tripped and fell while chasing my dog and now have a really hurt shoulder, and it's been a lot more than eight <laughs> hours, and I'm not doing well. So <laughs> you are an incredibly, you know, we're commoners, man. I know, I know. I had sucks. to move all the shit out of my house by myself in one day. I wasn't better after eight hours. <laughs> like, oh, as <laughs> long as I get a good night's rest, no. everything's fine. <laughs> I had a great night's rest, and I still hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the one thing that's uh, a really huge bummer. And I know there's rules around that where it's like, okay, it's a week for a long rest. And that's that's fine. But still, like, if you've been knocked unconscious because you were stabbed in the stomach and you're bleeding out and somebody's like here's a little bit of magic just to keep you going close those yeah. wounds a bit and then you're just like yeah all right i'll be good in a week <laughs> it's like, no you're not you're not good in a week you need surgery <laughs> they don't have surgery they man. just have magic they're just like oh they just pump you up kevin you're a bard what's the uh how do you an- <laughs> anesthetize uh people in Faerun? yeah you don't you sleep it's, no sleep doesn't yeah. work because you damage them right right how do we do that mm, i think don't uh, I mean, if you want yourself and anyone else around to feel better, you hold person them, but they're not going to feel better. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Wait a second. You're not going to hear them scream. Uh, does the surgical incision, like, does that do I was just thinking damage? about that. That'd be really frustrating <laughs> if you're trying to do surgery and you accidentally make them fail their death All saves. Right, <laughs> <laughs> Why did it explode? We held him. We held him with held person. <laughs> that, that, that scalpel counts as a dagger. So, I mean, you at least did, I don't know, eight, nine damage to somebody who's already dead. What a frustrating world to be in as a doctor. <laughs> That's why everybody just like, I don't know, talks to the gods that they're like, eh, I'll just poke you full of healing Boop. magic. <laughs> it's I a lot that, easier whatever i'll live with it <laughs> sorry that doctors just aren't necessary in the D world they're really no, never they're not, talked about no, it, it's 
They are. Yeah, it's clerics. There is, there's the medical skill, and you can use a med kit to get people back up. Yeah, I guess that's that's true. Limit of doctoring. There's a feat, too, where you could uh, use it to heal someone. That's free. Yeah, that just like removes the component and stuff. That's the end of the list. Yeah, that's not too great. All doctors are good at is like, oh, this guy's dying. Now he's not dying. He might die eventually, but he's. Not dying now. I think it'd be kind of fun to play a campaign that has no healers, just so that the med kit became worthwhile. We do that all the time. When? What do you mean we do that all the time? We, like, had this conversation. This is the first time we've ever had a cleric on staff. Cleric, yeah. And it has seriously changed the way that we play the game. You're right, but everybody has had some healing. We've always had a bard who's got right. cure wounds. Yeah, uh, at true. one point we had a druid. They had cure wounds. I don't know who else we had. I think we also had a bard at that time. Yeah. Um, right now, paladin, even a paladin. Yeah. A paladin has lay on hands to to and yo-yo just wounds. a little yeah. bit. Conjurers will take. They should not have lay on hands. Who? Hmm? Every time you use lay on hands, I'm like, that's just too much. <laughs> You're just mad because I've got... 35 healing. I mean, I've got way more healing than you do. Right, but time, I can... But, but, uh, but mine's not a chance. You can yeah. roll those those healing words, and you're like, oh, you get uh, five health. Where I'm like, ah, there's exactly 29 health, and now I've got six yeah. left. I hate that. <laughs> I, that reminds me of a combination error that could be good for the Barbarian, one of the Eldritch Invocations. Yeah, so you'd have to go back to the chain and have mm-hmm. a familiar, which is still going to be really useful regardless. And if you take this invocation, if you're within 100 feet of your familiar and regain health, all any die you roll, just treat as a maximum. Yep, I meant to bring that up earlier. That's yeah. extremely useful if you've got a healer in your party. Yeah. Because now, I mean, even like that uh, like healing word, you know, you did that at third level the other day. Uh, that's how many D4? That's that 3 D4. Plus your wisdom modifier. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, 15 health right there. I'll right. take that. Yeah. Take 15 health out of, you know, on a third level spell, but <laughs> at a range, whatever. Point is, that's extremely useful. And there's no limitations to that. It's not once per long rest. It's just you become a very good target to heal because you take away any of that risk. Right. Somebody wants to cure wounds you at fifth level, you're getting 40 HP back plus whatever their modifier is. Right. I'll take that. Yeah. All right. I actually just thought of this. Um, here is a reason that anything other than Hexblade is a little bit rough. There is a Hex spell that is kind of core to the Warlock, especially with certain builds, that you have to be careful. It, you have to avoid all this shit because it's concentration. Right. Right. And that's that's a lot of what the Warlock was built out to be is doing these concentration spells because they have, so have hacked on your concentration right. moving it throughout the battle you need to keep that up if you want to build out this warlock you got to do something differently and the hex blade's probably the easiest way to make that uh compromise yeah that's yeah. true no that's actually but, a really good point that we haven't brought up and is that the warlock spell casting does not lend itself well to the rage idea no yeah. i was yeah when look reading up on all this i was going through the warlock spell list there's so many concentration spells right which, and which needs fits because yeah. you have so few slots but yeah that 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 is rough yeah hex they, is the absolute get mirror image <laughs> we're back to the the barbarian bard where it's yeah. like what doesn't require concentration barbarian art yeah, yeah, looking, barbarian art whatever looking at the <laughs> warlock spell list is so depressing though it's like there's power there but if you do have rage interrupting it, it's like holy shit i can't do anything yeah right? i think if you try and focus more on um it, this isn't great i don't love this idea but if you try and focus more on like the utility ones out of combat more with the elders invocations than anything then yeah. you can just kind of if you're going mostly barbarian and then a little bit into warlock you can kind of forget the spells to an extent but then you know why are you going into warlock yeah well it, you have them there when you need them out of combat utility right. same with the invocations you could get some cool at will spell casting or uh once a day free and stuff like that right and then if you want to do something like the undying where you can get spare the dying gantrip which is kind of cool um and just some other stuff, whatever, yeah. you know, it's more for the flavor and the I little say, yeah, benefits. The flavor. You get. I do like the flavor actually. Like, so yeah. you're, you're this rage induced barbarian who's so angry at the world at all the times he sold his soul to a devil to get more power to just better kill his enemies. And yeah. It almost sounds that like a, it would not be lawful. Good. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably raging more on yeah. 
ranging more, not raging more, uh, ranging more on the chaotic spectrum. Um, even chaotic neutral kind of fits that. I idea. think I lean neutral, neutral yeah. kind of thing with here because neutral, neutral is not a choice. It's a cop out. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I Why do you say that? Uh, no, really chaotic neutral is more the cop out because you're just like, I do whatever fits me at this exact moment. You know? That's why it's called chaotic stupid. Right. Um, no, neutral neutral is, I don't know, weird. It's just weird. I don't know how you play neutral neutral. I've played one before. It's Who is really, that? I don't know. But well, Tell me right now. Shit. It was a warlock. <laughs> it was okay. not a warlock. Really? It should have been a warlock. Though. It should have been a warlock. <laughs> Every character I make <laughs> yeah. should have been a warlock. But right, you so, just got to be very neutral about things. Yeah, it's, you're definitely not the party face, I feel like. No, you're more no. like the go with the flow type. That'd be a great party face, though. Like, highest <laughs> charisma, neutral, neutral character. Like, never advocate for your own interests. Right, right. People are like, we really need your help. And you're like, that sounds cool, man. Okay. Well, yeah, all right. All right, I can do Just that. Just say okay to most things. <laughs> 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 Who should we get into battle for us? I don't know. Okay. Whoever. I'll help. <laughs> we got this. We don't need anybody. It's fine. <laughs> you know, actually, I can kind of see true neutral being the cap out. Um, just think how I always see it. It's the evil and good spectrum. It's kind of selfless versus selfish. Mm-hmm. And then the lawful versus chaotic is following a, not necessarily the law, but like a code. A code is, Versus yeah. being flexible for what's right in the moment. And so then the true neutral is, so you're just as likely to act selflessly as you are selfishly and just as likely to uphold this code as you are to be flexible on it to meet the needs of the moment. Right. Yeah, you're just kind of letting yourself do anything you want. Yeah. (laughs) But the the fun way to play it is that you never actually make those choices. Right. So you're like, follow the law, break the law, middle of the road. Help yourself, help others, neither. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> a total rejection of it i i am totally fine with that's it. kind of fun otherwise yeah. it's it's really fucking boring. right yeah. if you use it to just do whatever feels good for you as a person over what your character feels in the moment then that's a cop-out yeah if you use it to just completely reject making any hard stance on anything even when it's really annoying that's fine yeah like the um uh Kevin, you, you're familiar with this. Will, you're alone. But uh, when you ask your your wife, like, hey, where do you want to eat tonight? And she goes, I don't care, wherever. And you're like, cool, how about this place? And she goes, eh, how about this place? <laughs> I, whatever. Just that's true neutral right there, where it gets right. to the point where you're like, holy, just make a decision, damn it. <laughs> neutral, neutral is totally fine unless you're mad when shit doesn't go your way. Yes, totally agree. You should also, you're right, meh, you're right. Meh. Meh. And then you're at Applebee's and like, why the fuck do we? <laughs> <laughs> now that's me. Like I no, I probably lean closer to lawful evil as a person. But <laughs> yeah, neutral, neutral. I don't know. I think the average NPC kind of is neutral, neutral. And if you're aiming to be a PC and you're special, right? Kind of want to avoid it. It's good to have a stance on things. Yeah. I, you know, whatever. I guess you could also play it like you're the chameleon. You. I'm gonna say you do that's whatever needed in the moment, shit, but that's man. chaotic. That's, fine. that's chaotic. No, it's actually. chaotic. Yeah, you do whatever needed. We're in the talking. Moment, that's that is hard sociopath behavior, right? Okay, there. and yeah. that is not neutral. So. Okay, you're real neutral. Neutral, hmm. probably not fun to be in a campaign with. Yeah. All right. Um, anything left on on barbarian warlock? Just final thoughts. There's an Eldritch Smite invocation we didn't talk about. Oh, yeah. I actually you meant to bring that up. your spell slot to do 1d8 per spell level plus your, I think. And that works just like Smite, where you yeah. don't need to use an actual spell, so you can use that while raging. Yeah. So, so that is... Is that... That's limited to Pack to the Blade? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And you're probably better off just going Paladin. Not fifth level. Yeah. But flavor wise if that's what you're going for and that's totally fine yeah um and i think yeah just trying to do a barbarian smiter uh works great yeah uh, and then yeah it works good grasp of hadar so that's when if you hit someone with an eldritch blast you pull them 10 feet towards you mm. again it could really help mitigate the lack of range issue so you have the eldritch blast to use it when something's at range and if someone's trying to flee i mean think just but you have think to drop your fluff. rage for that yeah which kind of sucks. Yeah, but I th- think about it kind of roleplay-wise. You're fleeing from this terrible person, the barbarian warlock, the barbarian lock. What, what do we call it? Barbalock. Barbalock, thank you, yes. Barbara. 
and you get Burble hit lock. with this terrible force damage in the back of your head, and you find yourself ripped ten feet closer to it. Yeah, no, that's good. But it feels <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> better for a villain than it does for a PC. That's, you know, it's, that's, that's not necessary. Thing. Right. This right. is a very edgy character. Yeah, yeah. We haven't said this. It, this is an incredibly edgy combination. Yeah, yeah instead of like, like the... Uh, buff person in like a loincloth and a ponytail it's like a buff person in black leather and eyeliner <laughs> yeah i work sure. out and i also love satan <laughs> no probably still with ponytail oh yeah no you got i mean or it's Man probably bun. just down you know okay yeah just black greasy hair just down why i you- took devil's sight because my hair keeps getting in my eyes <laughs> fuck that's hilarious <laughs> Um, cool. Will, any final thoughts? No, I like it. Uh, anything with a warlock is great. It's diluting <laughs> the best class in D&D, but it's still great. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, yeah, I don't have anything else. Let's go ahead and move on to our monster of the week. But before we do that, we've got our usual self-promotion. Uh, so if you are just struggling to find us on social media, luckily we are here to guide you. If you go to Twitter and you type in monsters underscore multi, uh, you're going to find us because we're the only one with that name. You can't have multiple people with the same name. So, you know, good on you for, for waiting this long. You're, you've really been a holdout. Uh, I'm sure you haven't heard any of our other self-promotion. So, um, or, you know, new listeners. Yeah. new What? We don't get new listeners, do we? <laughs> if you're a new listener, yeah, I guess with one of those mythical beasts, uh, then <laughs> follow us on Twitter. Uh, discuss D&D stuff with me to pass the day. Um, I review us wherever review us leave also, reviews yeah. subscribe even to if you're us. not a new listener you can review us yeah unless you already reviewed us you probably shouldn't do it twice if That's, you already reviewed unethical. us make a new account and leave another review I for don't us i think we could ask for that better than the last that feels super unethical <laughs> <laughs> how'd you guys get banned off itunes well <laughs> yeah, don't okay don't do that yeah. don't make multiple <laughs> accounts for us but uh share us with your friends and uh just generally i don't know talk to me i'm lonely and uh twitter's become a a bit of an addiction because these guys didn't want to be the social media managers so thanks everyone for that crippling addiction adam guys (laughs) (laughs) all right let's move on to our monster of the week take it away kevin Kev dog, Kev dog, in the kev bone bone in the morning Yeah, I hate this. (laughs) (sighs) Take it away, (laughs) Catherine. I'm done. I'm done. This week's monster is the Balhaneth. It was a recommendation from the Reddit user Ishihara's Bitch. Interesting name. Uh, the uh, Belhaneth is a aberration from the Shadowfell. As just like all aberrations, they have the ability to mess with people's perceptions and minds. A lot of aberrations have mind control and stuff like that. This one can warp the reality around it to meet a creature's biggest desire to lure them into a false sense of security, where it then just eats them. You're there, you always need to look out for them in the Shadowfell, but they are also dragged into the Underdark where drow raiding parties will actually capture them and set them up as sentries outside their fortresses and whatnot. Um, it's a pretty big stat block. It has layer actions and a lot of really interesting stuff here. So what are you guys' thoughts? My thoughts are uh, Ishihara's bitch. I hate you for recommending this because we're currently in the Underdark. And this thing is right up Kevin's alley of fucking with us. And I'm, you know, regardless when you inevitably throw it at us, I'm just going to have to grin and bear it and pretend I don't know what's going on because I'm a good role player like that. But uh, this or thing that I already know about this. Oh, no, you probably yeah, you, didn't. But <laughs> I don't know. At the end of last last episode, you got a. Uh... You finally made it to the city you were going to. Oh, no. And it's in kind of a weird... Oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. But, um, no, actually, that's that's the number one thing I love about this, is it's one of those times where a DM just gets to sit back and mess with their players' heads. And that is always a great monster, where you can go on for a pretty good amount of time where this thing's, uh, you know exposing the deepest desires to maybe just one of the party members to just keep them moving and and say like no i need to keep pushing ahead like i i see the thing that 
I, I want more than anything. Uh, and until it's just too late and this thing packs a punch at challenge rating 11 and it's got, it's got all the good stuff. It's got multi-attack. It's got legendary resistances. It doesn't have good saving throws though. It's actually um, no. very squishy. Yeah. Um, so this is very much like a roper mixed with an LSD trip. It's <laughs> a really bad one. <laughs> Not necessarily. Until the Balanoth gets there. This is a great LSD trip. Like, oh, <laughs> wow. I found everything I was looking for. Right. Oh, no. It's actually just a monster. Yeah. It's just a, a roper with even more tentacles and... Oh, God, it's really ugly. It is. It's got a, a picture. Yeah, it looks Always like a. Look it looks like a melted version of the Predator. Yeah. Oh, okay. Without well, any of the armor. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, and tentacles, of course. <laughs> um. So, yeah, it's a large aberration. It has twenty five speed, twenty five climb speed, one hundred and fourteen hit points, seventeen AC. Uh, so nothing too crazy there. Yeah, two a day legendary resistance, and it makes a bite attack and two tentacle attacks. Um, those hit hard though. The four challenge rating eleven. Right. The bite attack is forty ten plus three, and then each tentacle attack is two d six plus three, and that also grapples and pulls them closer. Right. And I think it's really important to point out its multi attack is pretty pretty interesting. Uh, it either makes a bite attack and two tentacle attacks, or four tentacle attacks, and its tentacles are pretty scary. Uh, reach of ten plus seven to hit. Uh, 2d6 plus 3 bludgeoning damage, which isn't really that much, but the target becomes grappled and restrained. Uh, with an escape DC of 15, it's not gonna be that easy to get out of, um, but it can do this, uh... Where's the restraint? I don't see that. Until this grapple ends, the target is restrained. Um, the only thing that kind of, uh, is limiting about this tentacle attack is that it can only do it on one target once it has that grappled target. Uh, so per tentacle, does it say that per tentacle? The, yeah, you yeah, can't use it this tentacle say, against other creatures. The behemoth right. has four tentacles. You're right. So I mean, even first turn, it can just lash out and grab all four PCs, and now it's doing its bite attack, uh, which is once again forty ten plus three piercing damage with advantage, and it's restrained. So does that do anything else, or is it just advantage on that? Advantage. Just advantage, and okay. then all the PCs attacks will be at disadvantage. Right. So that's. That's some good stuff right yeah. there. And then as it's legendary actions work between each person, you know, keep it doing the bite. Three, three legendary yeah. actions. The the bite attack is catastrophic right. for especially a party that's kind of spec for this. But teleportation and vanish, which it can also do, kind of I think this is important because this is a very squishy and semi easy to hit and simple. Kill it's a simple creature, creature. Unless it's got the advantage tactically. Right. If your players are, you know, a hundred feet away from it and can clearly see it, you've screwed up your encounter. <laughs> it will be dead in a few turns. Well, that's its entire thing is it's luring you into exactly. its area. And I think and it actually gets some, okay, it gets regional effects, but does it have layer actions? It does have yes. layer actions. We'll talk about that in a second. Sorry, keep going, Well, But yeah, if you look at the legendary actions, the uh, Balanoff can magically teleport with anything it's carrying, all that stuff up to 60 feet. If they get too close to this and they're like resisting these tentacle attacks, this is a good way to get out of that and kind of restart the fight. Uh, vanish. If they, I don't actually see a situation when they want to just go away. These creatures are kind of like just evil monsters who yeah. do want to just do bad stuff. But, but it can get an advantage on the. I think it's good to start. That's a good start. But yeah. yeah, as a legendary action, maybe just spicing it up. I think it's what you were saying, where if you it, it gives you opportunities to reset the the encounter almost, where mm-hmm. you know it it takes a couple big hits right from the start, but it grapples somebody and then teleports away and then vanishes. Does it? Oh, you know what? It doesn't make the thing it's grappling invisible, so no. that part makes it a little bit difficult. That's but, another reason. But it could teleport with uh, creatures. Grappling. Right, right. So you know maybe it. Um, it vanishes after uh, it doesn't have anything grappled and it just kind of resets on the field. And now it's up to your party to try and find this thing, 
before it gets a really good attack, um, either by its bite or its tentacles, whatever. Well, the yeah, the flavor uh, does describe it. These these are not smart enemies. Right. Uh, their ability to craft these Six intelligence things they want is totally natural. It's not this cerebral way of doing. Things. They're not like mind flayers who are like extremely smart about all this. Exactly. Stuff. Yeah. But if right. you're going towards a location and say the drow have hired hired quote-unquote convince <laughs> this thing to guard a tunnel or something like that forcing your players to go through it uh and letting it teleport through this place they have no other options and that's actually a really good combo yeah and i think at any time that you're fighting this it's going to be in its lair and it's got some pretty interesting layer actions, uh, one of which is the Balhaneth targets one creature within 500 feet of it. Target must succeed on a DC 16 wisdom saving throw, uh, or it just gets teleported to the Balhaneth's choice of anywhere within 60 feet of it. So that can be really useful if somebody's trying to stay far back, like the wizard, and you're like, nope, you're right in front of me now, and I'm going to break that concentration that you have by doing... 4010 damage on one of these bites uh with a pretty high potential to crit if they're restrained as well right and this is also uh, the type of thing i would think would generally be like on the ceiling yeah it's gonna be hard to get to like the paladin's gonna struggle to that's fair yeah and unless they have wings they've got the legendary <laughs> action to really screw with the paladin the last one uh for one minute they make a Saving throw, or be, the Balhanoth becomes invisible to that creature, which oh. is an interesting take on it. You said oh, the la layer action. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, just to clarify, the layer last layer action is that. Uh, targets one creature within 500 feet of it, DC 16 wisdom saving throw, or the Balhanoth becomes invisible to that creature for one minute. Uh, once that once the Balhanoth attacks that target, it does drop the invisibility, but it can recognize, like, Okay, that thing hits really hard, so I'm going to become invisible to that, and I don't know. One thing that I would kind of question is the fact that if I thought, oh, this thing's invisible, but I can see all of my friends around it getting grappled and bit, and you're like, okay, I kind of know where it's at, which takes away yeah. one aspect of it, but you still have disadvantage on the attacks. Right. Yeah, I think that's the mechanical goal. Right. right. Give them disadvantages. Yeah, and then yeah, the other the main thing with layer action is warping the uh, terrain around it to reshape it into the you know whatever an intelligent creature nearby seeks most, and it's gonna know because it has regional effects. Any creature within one mile of its layer, it's gonna be able to read its mind and understand what it desires most. Yeah, it's gonna be super awkward when you walk into a cave and it's just like giant mattresses and anime body pillows. <laughs> Is that your greatest desire, Will? Basically. Specifically, the body pillows, not like an actual anime. No, I like not making anime pillows. real. It's the body pillows. They're I'm so a comfy. realistic guy. <laughs> <laughs> I know that can't happen. Second that that happens, you're like, nope, shutting this down. <laughs> nope, that's a monster. Give me the body pillows. <laughs> uh, this is definitely a fake. Yeah, but it's body pillows, so like maybe we can just live in this delusion for no, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so I. I don't know how you would work this into a campaign to use with your PCs, but I kind of get very, get this sort of like horror fantasy vibe. Yeah. They think they could make a really cool like episode of a show like Doctor Who or something <laughs> where um there, there's this outpost somewhere in the, there's this Balhanath that has been in, installed, so to speak, to guard it. And everyone in this outpost is aware that it's there and knows what this thing is, but it still doesn't change the fact they're seeing what they desire most. Right. And so there's kind of this whole thing, all right, what, what are you seeing? What is a war being? Like, maybe there's some really terrible shit being seen from everywhere. Like, who is that pulling off of? Why, why is this showing this person murdering that person? <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then there you can get to real dark psychological stuff where everybody can't help but feel this little bit of a pull to just give in. And go over there anyways. I like that. I, I, yeah. I actually like um, the idea of bringing other people's greatest desires out. Especially yeah. at, like a military outpost. You like see like these horrible murders and you're like, what the fuck's going on? But the guy is like, who got murdered is still obviously alive and working with the guy who murdered him. And you're like, what was that? What the <laughs> fuck did I just right. see in those yeah. caves? Yeah, that's really cool. No, I, this is actually a red uh, enemy. It's very squishy. It's very easy to take out, but... It's a good session. 
Yeah. So I feel like yeah. you can really mess with your players for like a, a good amount of time here as they're seeing their greatest desires. They're being pulled in. They have to figure out what's going on. And, and it leads up to a pretty satisfying fight. These actions like. are all like 500 feet and stuff like that. Yeah. You put it in a cave and as the DM, like honestly, you can tell them what you think 500 feet is. Yeah. Like how how far can I get in a turn? It doesn't matter. It's a cave, man. Right, and more importantly, your your players aren't going to know that five hundred foot limit exactly, and they shouldn't. So you can. This is a great enemy to screw with your players. One thing I think would be kind of funny about this is is you can really mess with terrain when it comes to this. <laughs> yes. So if somebody's greatest desire is a library, let's say you might be in a totally open cave, but they're seeing like all of these bookshelves and stuff, and they're like, oh, I'm like behind cover here. This would be super weird, but you could totally do. Four different battlefields. <laughs> where you've got, That'd be an interesting take on this one. Yeah, it'd be tough. I'm not saying that'd be easy. I'd have to work out how to do that. But you could have like multiple areas on your, your battle map I, I don't or whatever. Think it works that way. I think it, it literally shapes the terrain. Oh, yeah. does it? Yeah. It's not just in the, the mind of. I, I think that'd be actually an interesting reflavor of this character. Ah, uh, okay. Well, okay. That's that would be an interesting reflavor. But overall, you could still do something like that, where they think they're behind cover, but really that's just a bookshelf that they put there for the wizard who seeks great knowledge. You know, things of that nature could be really cool. Yeah, I like um in Mordekainen's the one of the little like kind of handwritten notes from Mordekainen about this thing. There are no virtues in the Shadowfell, thanks to the Belhameth. Even hope is punished with death. <laughs> <laughs> I, those are some of my favorites in this book. Yeah. yeah. It's also worth noting that if you do think you're in cover in any situation with this thing, you're not. It has 500 feet of blind sight. Yeah, which is nice, too. Uh, 500 feet of blind sight and nothing beyond that, which is mildly interesting. I don't know. I mean, it's going to lure you a lot closer before I mean, it makes an attack. Who's got anything? past 500 yeah. feet the <laughs> and also the I, ranger or uh whoever who's took the sharpshooter feet and is shooting a longbow at 600 feet without disadvantage yeah don't put this guy in the field we had this conversation <laughs> like a couple episodes if you put these bosses in a field they're lot they're a lot less fun right you have 20 turns to prepare moving up to it <laughs> okay let's get a cannon <laughs> just <laughs> launch that bitch but yeah, over. I, I think I really like the uh, aberration kind of type monster type. This all, is all, one of the yeah, better aberrations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, Abolith was also an aberration, and it, all of them just have that kind of ability to warp reality and mess with people's minds. And right, that makes for um, it's kind of it, it's nightmare fuel, really. It, yes. It, 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 Tugs at all of them. I think tug, tug at like kind of primal fears. Right, and I think that's um something that's kind of difficult to portray in D&D is really, again, tugging on those primal fears. But illusions are always a good way to do that, where you right. think you're seeing something, but nope, sorry, you're getting dragged into a cave and eaten is uh, it's pretty scary. Right. Or, you know, finding out that this is happening to a, a drow settlement. That one would be super weird if you're, like, traveling through the Underdark and drow are like, Hey, we actually need your help. <laughs> Normally we'd be here trying to lure you in, but, uh, uh, you know, things went poorly. So how about a get out of drow, drow jail free card if you help us out? <laughs> Could have used one of those. Yeah. <laughs> no, they are a civilized race. They're just evil as shit. Yeah. I can see one of these things getting out of control. Yeah. 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 Cool stuff. Make a really fun session. Basically, that's it. Wouldn't be a good encounter. This should have some some ramp up time. Right. Make it a session. Um, I don't think it works for multiple sessions because after a while it would just get old. And it sure as shit ain't working for a campaign because no, it, yeah. these these, <laughs> these guys are dumb as hell. Yeah. You really like any kind of dumb enemy. This is great for a ramped up session. Right. That uh, maybe maybe the Nagpa put it there. <laughs> I think the well, this one, this thing would be great at slowly destroying a civilization. Would it? Yeah, by you know, just like luring... nine hundred of them, maybe, maybe a village. <laughs> yeah, maybe a village. I don't know. I think the Nagpas got better arsenals than this guy. Damn. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, there goes the. So Nagpa this is the idea. first enemy we've ever done that is not related to the Nagpa. Right. He's too dumb. Even the Neogis were like perfect. <laughs> The elemental one's also perfect. This guy's two in the middle. <laughs> um, all right. That's all I got. Yep.
Thanks for listening. Thank you. Next week, Monsters and Multiclass. Join us next week as we look at the Monk Ranger Multiclass and Goblinoids Part 2, The Goblins. <laughs> <laughs>